Awesome. Hey, I think we can do better than that. Can we just give it up for the worship team? Man, we got Matt on the base today. Come on, just give it up for Matt. Just give, just give it up for Matt, just because Matt's awesome. I'm so excited to be at Excel. Like Robert Matt do, I'm Red Bull excited to be at Excel. I am Monster excited. I am Rain excited. Give me another energy drink. Who, who drinks? Who's like an energy drink person? <laughs> ghost? Oh, my gosh. Yo, ghost flavors? Fire. Fire. Nas? <laughs> Nas? Yo, ghost sent me over the edge, though. I can't be drinking those. I'm, like, usually really good with caffeine. Like, energy drinks really don't do a lot to me. But I drink a ghost. Chris Stanley put me, shout out to Chris Stanley, the greatest DYD in the nation. Um, uh, he put me on ghost. And legit, I felt like I could literally run through a brick wall. And it's not just because I've been getting my gains up with Swoliota over there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it is, all right? Uh, yeah, can we just get into it tonight? Can we? Y'all ready for God's word tonight? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Can I get a hoop? All right, here we go. <laughs> Ariel drank a nos or something because she's screaming over there. We are in a brand new series. I love series just because I feel like it's like a new, a new movie comes out at Excel every other month. I want to talk to you tonight and start this series off with the title itself, we're kicking off February with a series called King of Hearts. King of Hearts. Go ahead, throw that up there. Look at that, by the way. Yo, shout out to Jonathan Palomo. Can y'all give it up for Jonathan Palomo? Yeah. Usually I, but usually I do the slides, but he, he, he popped off with this one. I'm so excited about this. So check this out, Excel. Y'all listening? In this world, right, many things are trying to get a hold of your heart. We love to simply give it away, right? We love to give away our hearts. We love to allow people to rule and reign over our hearts. When in reality, your heart already has a king. He created it. He designed it. And yet, we pretend that the relationships we find in our lives design and define our hearts. This month, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about relationships. It's so easy for us to take something that God has designed, breathed on, developed, something that's at the center of our bodies, that pumps blood into everything. We love to give our hearts away to people, and I'm here to remind you tonight that your heart already has a king. Your heart already has a king. This month, I want to encourage you to stop playing games with your heart. Stop playing games with your heart. And everybody say that last word. Oh, my gosh, Dada's not even here. She's not even here for that. That was, like, all about her. It's a deck of cards, and... and I love that because when you think of a deck of cards, you think of what? Games. And a lot of us treat our hearts like it's a game. We like to treat our hearts like it's something to gamble away, something to put on the line. 
Maybe we'll win something instead, or maybe we'll gain somebody else's. We love to play games with our hearts, but say it with me. Stop playing games with your heart. And that's on God. That's on period and periana and all that, Dada. I want to call and encourage you to surrender your heart to one person. And his name is Jesus. Not to pretty boy with TikTok dance moves. Not pretty girl with not so pretty TikTok dance moves. Some of y'all can't dance. The renegade's not a real dance, right? <laughs> we, we love to just surrender our hearts to any average Joe, any schmo. But my heart this series is really less about should we date, should we not date. I would rather you say, listen, my heart belongs to God. And if any man or woman wants my heart, they're going to have to go to him first. So stop playing games. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't play games with me. Turn to the other one and say, bet. No, just play. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. I remember my first love. I remember my first love. It's literally, there was like, a, when all of the Twilight movies came out, everybody thought they were in love. Everybody was Team Edward, Team Jacob. Right? Right? I was Team Edward. Shout out to all my glittery vampires out there. Right? I remember my first love. I remember in eighth grade, I thought I knew what love was. With my MySpace. I always bring up MySpace. I fell head over heels with this girl in my youth group. I'm not going to drop her name because she'd still be living in the state. Long story short, we thought the world of each other until we became each other's worlds. So, I'll tell you, it's about, this, this thing is about to be fire. Meaning, I gave her the keys to my heart, and I gave her authority and permission to do whatever she wanted with my heart. I found out the hard way that people's love will fail. It just will, right? Because they're human. She would legit, she did this one time. And this was my line. We're going to talk about that in a second. She legit called me one night, stressing and crying over another dude. <laughs> what? I was like, I was like, Time out. It was late at night, too. She woke me up on my Verizon slide phone. I was at a little keypad. I said, hey, what was going on? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to name drop him either. Yes, I am. Ricky, um, and, you know, he's like, blah, 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 And he told me that, like, you know, he loves me and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he's going to, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're calling me stressed out about another dude? Another dude? No. Cross the line. I was like, we'll pray about it. Click, right? September 2nd was our one-year anniversary, even though we only saw each other at youth group. One-year anniversary. And guess what I did? I done broke up with her. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm a kid. You know what I'm saying? I already know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's awful. I waited, too. That was really bad. If you're watching this and you may, like, follow me, I'm sorry. That was wrong, right? So that's king status right there. No, I did. I broke up with her because we got a line. 
right? In that moment, I learned something else. There is a limit to how much human love can take, right? Right? Whatever I thought love was, right? You all agree with me. You can only hurt someone so much before they decide that enough is enough, right? Right? Girls, like, listen, some of y'all, like, you'll break up with a guy, like, over everything, right? Like, enough is enough. He be chewing his food too loud, broken up September 2nd, right? No, like, we're done, right? But we all have that limit. In every relationship, there is a line that cannot be crossed. For everyone, that line is different. I think, pause for a second, I think as Christians, we all should have the same line. Talk about that another week. But there's only much forgiveness, so much forgiveness that we can offer. But, like, what if we were told, right? Because, like, I in that Twilight era, like, the vocabulary of those movies were, like, obsessive. Right, right, yeah. If y'all remember, like the way Edward would talk to Bella would be like super obsessive. And then like there were parts of the movie where like they both would just stare at each other, but they looked like they were both in pain. Just... <laughs> right? Like it, y'all okay? Y'all you know, y'all remember y'all gonna go back and rewatch it and be like, dang, Pastor Izzy was right. Like, first of all, her acting, like, why does she always shiver? Like, why is she cold all the time, right? But that's actually really funny, right? But what if you were told in this obsessive vocabulary, like, what if you were promised that there was nothing that you could do to make someone stop loving you, right? Like, some guys love to romanticize this. Like, girl, there's nothing, nothing you could do that could break me, girl, because I'm down with you 100%. I love you. I love you. And she's like, oh, my God, he's so sweet. Wow. Right? Like, oh, my God, he really loves me. Right? Then the next week, like, he does something that makes you mad, and you're ready, ready to call it off. Right? Like, like, what if, what would someone have to do to prove that no hurt, misunderstanding, or betrayal could cause him or her to stop loving you? Right? That would be hard to prove. Right? Right? Like, That'd be really hard. Some would say it's extremely hard, and others would just straight up say, hey, that's impossible, right? Right? Here's something God says. Watch this. Watch this. I am always going to love you. I am never going to give up on you. That is the message that God is trying to convey to the people of Israel in the passage we're about to read tonight. So for let me give you some context, right? I love that. Let me give you some context. For a few hundred years, right, we see this nation, the nation of Israel, they have been in this consistent pattern of disobeying God, right, worshiping other gods, and then begging God to save and protect them when they needed it. Sound like some of y'all's relationships. I'll, I'll say it. Fight me. Don't. Um, but we got, we, we, basically what's happening is they're in a relationship with God and then they're going to go and cheat on God with all this stuff. And then when stuff hits the fan, they're like, oh, but God save us. That seemed kind of bogus, doesn't it? Right? I think so. I know y'all wouldn't like that. So here's what's happening. God sent us in this book, in the book of Hosea, God sent a prophet after prophet, after prophet to tell them that he loved them and would be faithful to them no matter what. So there's several prophets that come by with all the same message. I love you. I'm here for you no matter what. He had given them a covenant, which is a promise that he had not made with any other nations, right, or peoples. He's like, listen, me and you, Israel, we're exclusive, right? My marriage with Pastor Ariel is exclusive, 
Like, the DMs are closed. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't one of those, like, reality TV shows, polygamy and all that, right? This ain't one of those, right? This is, this is a me and her only deal, right? So this, is, this covenant, this promise was only made to the people of Israel at the time. God is saying, you are my people. I am your God, and I love you. And I will rescue you, and I'm here for you no matter what. He only said it to them. That's awesome. He had given his word, right, the law, and said, here's what you do to have a right relationship with me, and here's what you do in case you mess up, right? So here's what you do to, like, be cool with me. Like, I love you, you love me. We're a happy family. Shout out to Barney, right? And then if you mess up, right, here's what you do. That seems pretty fair, right? I think so. He says, I love you, you are mine, and I'm yours. But they continue to turn their backs on him. God wanted to show his people the way he loved them in a way they would understand. So he's like, okay, I need these guys to understand this because this is not right what they're doing. So he told the prophet Hosea to do something that sounds a little crazy. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hosea. Hosea is about 60% of the way through your Bible. Let me give you some background real quick. It's the first of the books that we call the minor prophets. They aren't called minor because uh, they weren't important, but just because they aren't as long as some of the other books, right? So Hosea comes right after Daniel and before the book of Joel in your Bible. When you get there, give me a hook. Okay, I hear somebody. If you're not there yet, say, hold up. Okay, I hear some. I'll wait, I'll wait. If you have your Bible, turn your Bible on. Turn your brightness up so you can really, really read it. And you can bother the person next to you so that they don't fall asleep. If you don't have a Bible, I want to give you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible right now, and I obviously can't give you one because I'm preaching, we have something called the Sky Bible on the screen. Here we go. Y'all ready? Let me pray before we do this. Lord, we love you. And we just surrender to your word tonight. Your word is alive. You are the word as we read in the book of John. And so when we read these stories, Lord, they're not just pages on a book, not just words on a page or on a screen, but it's your heart. It's your life for us. It gives us life. It gives us understanding and insight to who you are. So, Lord, this is your message. Lord, help me preach it the way you intended to. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hosea, chapter 1. Verse 2 through 3. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife. Now, these are the Bible's words. All right? And the majority of the translations, they use this word. Okay? Don't be going home being like, Mom, I learned about whoredom. All right? Don't be like, sure, whatever. They can email me. This is the Bible. Go and take yourself a wife of whoredom. And have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom three times, okay? By for this, wow, thank you, ESV, forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Okay, here's what I'm saying. You can take that out. The Lord says, hey, Hosea, wake up. Okay, what's up, God? It's Papa. Another good day in the neighborhood. He's like, sure is. Go marry a prostitute. <laughs> that's it. I need you to get up. I want you to go marry a prostitute. All right? Because the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he's, he's going to use Hosea to show his love as, as a symbol for the people. So when we read this story in the next few pages, the next few moments, right? Hosea, 
is a representation of God. Gomer, I don't know what kind of female name that is, but it's a name, right? She is a representation of the people of Israel. Better yet, she's a representation of us. So she's a prostitute. He doesn't just like, so God told his prophet, a good and righteous man, to marry a woman who was certainly not good and not righteous, right? A prostitute. God wanted Hosea to know what it felt like when the nation of Israel turned her back on him. So poor Hosea fell in love with, married, had children with a woman who he knew would at some point turn her back on him. They had three children together. And then she broke his heart. Right? How? She left. She left. Watch this. But she didn't just leave. When she left, she began prostituting herself all over the town. Yikes. That's crazy. That's crazy. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's crazy. That's, that is literally crazy. I want to bring you our first point tonight. There's only two. First one is this. Our love is limited. Our love is limited. Very limited. This is crazy. Go and marry a prostitute. Okay, Lord, I did. Missionary dating, right? It works. It doesn't. Watch. Watch this. She left after three kids. You thought by kid one, like after they made it through the fire, they're like, man, we actually did that, right? Like she's locked in. Okay, year two, baby number two, we just popping them out. Great. Awesome. Baby number three, Hosea's like, you know what? Like, man, maybe she's done working. Maybe that life is behind her. Then one day, she straight up leaves the house, but doesn't leave the town. Our love is limited. I talked about this earlier. We kind of have that line. For some of you, if you get cheated on, you're the type of person you're like, man, like, I believe the best in them, and I'm going to, like, really be there for them, and I'll forgive them. There's other people on, on this side of the room that are like, cheat on me. We done, right? We out. And that's on period, right? Period. Oh, daughter is here today. I love it. God loved his people so much. Check this. He still loves his people so much. And every time they strayed, every time we stray, meaning we walk away from our faith by sinning, it feels like being cheated on. Think about Hosea for a second. He had a good reputation. Everyone in town knew he was a good guy. Imagine what they thought when he married Gomer. Imagine what they whispered to each other when she left. Right? He was hurt and heartbroken personally, but he was humiliated publicly. God wanted Hosea to know exactly how it felt when the person or people you love the most turn their backs on you. Because that is how it feels to God every time we disobey him or chase after other things instead of him. And that sounds heavy, but I'm here to bring you the truth. That's how it feels. Like, dang, I didn't know it was like that. It's like cheating on him. It's like, wait a minute, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. I, I, I want to give you all the blessings I have, and yet you and I decide to go to the local brothel and partake in something 
That is not of God. That is not of God. But this doesn't mean that he stopped loving them. This doesn't mean that he stopped loving us. And even when we turn our backs on God, there is nothing we can do to cause him to stop loving us. That's the good news today. That's the good news today. Look at what happened with Hosea and Gomer two chapters later. Watch this. Hosea 3, verse 1. Throw it up on the sky Bible. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go to go take to yourself a wife before wait i'm sorry wrong one sorry <laughs> uh hosea 3 verse 2 through 3 no it should have been hosea 3 1 do we have that i sent you the wrong verse i'm gonna read it for you the lord said to me go show your love to your wife again pause she left him right and now sleeping with everybody else but him in the town. So Hosea 3.1 picks up. This is the NIV version. The Lord spoke to Hosea. Said, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Say again. Say again. And again. Though she is loved, watch this, by another man and is adulterous. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Hosea, yes, God, go get her. What? Hosea, I I want you to go get I want you to go get her again. And again. I want you to go get her. Because this is this is me to the people. I'm pursuing you. I love you. I want you. Love her, he says, as the Lord loves the Israelites. The same way that I love my people, I want you to love Gomer. Now, even though she had left Hosea and had been unfaithful again, and again, God told Hosea to love her. God wanted Hosea to love Gomer in spite of all she had done. The same way. He loved Israel, even though they followed false gods and loved worship, loved worshiping them. Like they're choosing to worship other gods. The part at the end about the raisin cakes, right? You're like, that actually sounds delicious. No, right? right? The raisin cakes, this is in the NIV version, although it really does sound like kind of delicious, right? Like, I love bagels, right? Is a reference to a certain cake that was eaten as a part of worshiping an idol. And so what does that say to us? Like, not only do we choose to worship, but we are indulging ourselves. When we decide to worship other gods, when we decide to give our hearts, when we decide to start playing games with our hearts and start giving our hearts to him, start, start giving our hearts to her, start loving things that don't love us back, we're not just like partaking in worship. We're indulging ourselves. We're eating the raisin cakes. It's in us. It's in us. So what? So Hosea did what God told him to do. Look at Hosea 3, 2 through 3. Hopefully that's the right one up there. Do we have that one? Awesome. We do. Watch this. Hosea, go get her again. So he goes. So I bought her for 15 shekels and a silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. 
I'm going to explain what those are in a second. And I said to her, this is Hosea, going to get his prostitute wife. When he decided and found her, she was for sale. For sale. Watch what happens. This is what he says. He's a better man than me. You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to any other man. So will I also be to you. He's saying, hey, I want you to stay with me. I love you. I want you to live with me. And and I don't want you to, to sleep with other men. And so don't. And I won't sleep with other women. Because I have it. Right? <laughs> he has it. It's prophet of God. That's what he's saying. Watch this. Watch this. He doesn't just take her back. He doesn't just take her back. He doesn't just forgive her. He pays off anyone who might try to claim her or do harm to her. Watch this. He paid for something that was already his. I'm getting to it. God paid for something that was already his. Right? Remember, Hosea is a representation of God. Gomer is a representation of us. Right? There was a price on our head. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Meaning, what, what is our reward for sin? Death. That is the cost. That's what it costs us. That's what we deserve. So God, through Hosea, is showing that he paid for something that was already his. That's crazy to me. Because he already owns it. But he paid the price. But he paid the price. His sac- he sacrifices his pride, Hosea. And he sacrifices his wealth because he loves her. The sad truth is this. Watch this. 15 shekels and a little bit of barley was barely anything. Barely anything. It was less than you would pay someone if you accidentally killed their slave back in the day. So the men... The men that she left her good and righteous husband for, right? The ones that she had chased after thought that she was worth less than a dead slave. The men that have slept with her over and over and over again, they say, this is how much you're worth. You're not even worth a slave that's alive. When you surrender your heart to the things of this world... This is what they see you as. When you surrender your heart to people who don't deserve it, relationships that are only going to abuse it, when you surrender your heart to really anything but Jesus, what you will find is what they really think of you, and it's worthless. Because our love is limited, and we're going to fail, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're not going to hit the mark. This is how they saw her. And you can only imagine, like, they're saying these things to her. This isn't in my notes. They're saying, they're probably saying these things to Gomer. Right? Like, as they're leaving, throwing her whatever chains they had in her pocket, you're worthless, can't believe you're still here. Right? And how many times in our lives have we said that to ourselves or been told that by somebody? And yet, for some reason, we keep going back. And like, I get it. You see, 
You see, Gomer, she just, that's, she buys into it. She starts believing these things. And now here comes Hosea, paying for something that's already his. Hosea paid them off, took her home, and basically said this in that verse, I love you, and I'm going to keep loving you like you never hurt me. So please don't hurt me again. So my second point is this, and the band can make their way up. God's love is limitless. God's love is limitless. Our love is limited. It is. God's love is limitless. God's love is limitless. The message that God was trying to get across was this. I want everybody, I want everybody to pay attention to this. No one is going to love you like I do. I'm going to love you no matter what you do or have done. As much as God tried to get that across his people, they had a hard time grasping it. We do. We have a hard time grasping because it was so different from the love that they had experienced from everyone else in their lives. If we're being honest tonight, God's love is sometimes hard for us to grasp too. We think that. Just like everyone else, we're going to be, we're going at some point to get, like, hurt. Because that's what we either deserve or that's what just happens, right? We're going to get to a point where we are unlovable or unforgivable. And then somebody will leave. I love you. It's like saying this, I love you until you mess up so many times. Then I'm out. I love you until you start blank. I'm out. Here's my line. This is my limit. And so because we've experienced that love with other people, with mankind, we bring that same kind of attitude and mindset to God. And we think this. We think, God, you're only going to love me until I sleep with him again. And then, and then just like him or just like her or just like that or just like it, it's gone. They're gone. There's the limit. God, I keep messing up, and I just know it's only, only it's coming soon where you're just going to be done with me because he's done with me, she's done with me. My parents made a vow to stay together, and now all of a sudden they're done with each other. So if they can't do it, then, like, you and me, we don't have any hope. And God is saying, no, 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 no. No one is going to love you like I do. I'm going to love you no matter what you do, watch this, or have done. Some of you here tonight, you're like, but Pastor Izzy, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. I've done A, B, and C. And I've been told by my parents, and I've been told by leadership, and I've been told by myself, and people have used the Bible against me, and they've weaponized it, and now I feel too dirty. I feel dirty. That's Gomer. I can only imagine the car ride home, sitting in her seat in shame. I can't believe my husband just had to pay for me. I'm dirty. I'm unclean. And he's saying, I love you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you might do. I love you. That's it. Period. That's God's love for you. You're like, Pastor, you yell a lot. I am so passionate about the love of God. Because it was the love of God that changed my life. It was understanding that there was nothing that I could do that could change his heart about me. 
He loves me. He loves you. And it's hard for us to grasp sometimes because we just think like everyone else, we're going to get to a point where we're unlovable or unforgivable. But that's not how God loves. That is not how God loves. I want to say it again so you really get it. That is not how God loves. Paul writes this in Romans, Romans 8, 35 to 39. He says this in the message version. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? He's asked that question. What does he say? There is no way. And then he lists these things. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Then he says this, they kill us in cold blood because they hate us. We're, excuse me, we're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. Next slide. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Watch, watch this. Watch this. Y'all know when somebody won't change their mind. Why? Because they're convinced. Right? Not kind of convinced. They're fully convinced. Watch this. I am absolutely convinced. Say absolutely. Say convinced. That nothing, 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 nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. What is he saying here, church? Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Nothing. I, I keep repeating this, and I feel it in my spirit, because you read that, and you're saying, but what, but what about nothing? But what, nothing. But what about that, nothing? That, that time where I, nothing. Nothing. Say it to yourself. Nothing. Nothing can get between us and God's love. How? What is the answer to this? How is that even possible? Because everybody else seems like to have a limit to their love. You're telling me God's love is limited. How is that even possible? It is because of the way that Jesus, our master, our Messiah, our Savior, our Redeemer, has what? Has embraced us. Has embraced us. What's the word embrace? Gio, stand up for a second. This is an embrace. You want to know what this means? Embrace. It means proximity. It means nearness. It means God is loving you close. He's embracing you. I don't want to get God dirty. You can never get God dirty. One touch from him. One touch from him will wipe away any disease, any sin. So you want God this close. The enemy says, listen, God doesn't want, you're too dirty. Jesus, Jesus showed through three years of ministry that he wants to be around dirty people. And he wants to embrace them. Thank you. It means proximity. Because some people, they love from afar. Right? I love you, but here, we're going we're gonna to be this, we're gonna be this far. 
right? God's like, no, 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 no. I want to embrace you. I want to embrace you. And it is in the arms of the Father where you will find what your heart truly needs. And that is him. Because I said this at the beginning. Our heart is designed and has already been defined by the king of hearts. By the king of our heart. If God's love is different from the love we've experienced from everyone else in our lives, then shouldn't our response to it be different as well? In Hosea 3, when Gomer saw that Hosea was willing to pay off her debts, forgive her, and love her in spite of all she had done, her response was different this time. Once she saw the magnitude of his love, she no longer tried to test the limits of it. That's good. She didn't try to see how much hurt he could deal with. She stayed with him because she finally understood that he loved her. But the love Hosea had for Gomer, which we see in the story, is a lot. It takes someone very special to love like that. The love that we see Hosea had for Gomer was only a fraction of the love that God has for you and me. If you have put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, then you know he's paid your debt of sin. You know that he's forgiven you and he loves you in spite of all you have ever done or ever will do. If you're here tonight and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, what are you waiting for? You will only ever experience this kind of love through him. Now the question is, how are you going to respond to that? Gio, do you mind taking this for me? question is, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Because when we talk about dating the rest of the series and relationships, I'm really excited for next week. We have something special next week. Like, you're not going to be able to fully understand what we're talking about because our relationships as pastors, my wife and I, our relationship is centered and based and, and scripturally, foundationally based on one person, and that is Jesus. And his love. Because of our understanding of God's love for us, we are able to love each other the way God designed it. And we are going to talk about that. But it's going to be very difficult for you to wrap your mind around it when we talk about unconditional love if you've not experienced that love. Tonight, some of you have been playing games with your heart. And through this story, God is telling you, I love you. That's it. I don't care what you did before you got to church tonight. I don't care what you did the night before. I don't care what you did this morning. Listen, I, in a sense, I care because I know that's going to hurt you. But what I don't want that to happen, I don't want that to happen. What I don't want that to do is separate us. I want you to come close to me. And the voices in your head that are saying you're too dirty or you're too lost, you're too far gone, it's a lie. That's not God's love for you. That's not his love for you. So with every head bow and eye closed, we're going to do this. God loves you. That's it. And you're going to find every reason to not love him back. Because your flesh desires and wants to indulge in the worship of other things like we saw in the story. 
Your flesh loves raisin cakes. But it won't fulfill you. It won't fulfill you. You will always be hungry. You will always feel the need for security. You will always be searching for it. And you will get lost. But I'm thankful that there is a God who has his eyes on you. And he sent me here tonight to tell you you are not too far gone. And in the same way that he found me on a Friday night on Addison and Lockwood, it's the same way he can find you on Belmont and Austin on a Thursday night. It's the same way he can save you. It's the same way he can love you. His love changed my life. And from that moment on, I began to think different about relationships. And I made mistakes along the way. But I'm thankful for leaders in my life that called me out on it and helped me remember the love that God has for me. A lot of you have been walking in shame. And you feel like your heart has been broken too many times. And you feel like you can't put the pieces back together again because he abused you. He said mean things to you. He said hurtful things. She said hurtful things to you. You don't know how to go from here. I'm thankful we serve a God that created your heart and knows exactly how to put it back together again. And he wants to do that tonight. But you have to respond. You got to respond to him. And so if you're here tonight, and here's my first call. And you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. And you're like, Pastor, that love you're talking about, I want that. And I need that. And I want to know more about Jesus. And I want to know what it means to follow him. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand right now. If that's you, say, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know what it means to be saved. Awesome. There's one. Anybody else? Leaders, our eyes are open. Awesome. So that means, other than our one, that means we all understand and know that we are saved or have yet made that decision. But I would assume from my know who's in the room, we've all made decisions to follow Jesus. Now, here's my second call. There are some of you, and you've given your heart to people. You've given your heart to boys, to girls, to substances, to things, and you know that you are prostituting yourself. And God is calling you back again. And you're like, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, and I don't want to be that kind of gomer. I want to come back. I want to get right. That's you, and you want somebody to pray with you. You want somebody to walk you through that. Just go ahead and raise your hand. If you're like, hey, I feel like my heart belongs to somebody else, and I want to give it to God, and I'm, I'm struggling with certain things. I see that hand right there. Anybody else? You're like, hey, I'm struggling with some things. And I feel like my heart is torn to pieces. I feel like I'm struggling between this and that. And I just need some thoughts. I need some prayers on that. Awesome. Awesome. I see that. Great. So let's do this. Let's all stand. I know this was a little heavy message. And I wasn't trying to make it so heavy, but I really truly believe that this, this world loves to warp love. It likes to materialize it. it likes to limit it. It likes to take it from how God intended it and, 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 and make it into propaganda and make it into something that they can produce and that's something you can buy. You cannot buy this kind of love. This love only comes from the Father. 
And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing just that, um, that chorus a few times. And if I could just do this, let's, let's end at the altar tonight. Can you guys just come close? Let's talk about proximity. Come on in. I'm really excited for what God has for this ministry. But a part of me was like, we need to establish what love is first before we can start talking about loving other people. God is love. And God really loves you. And he's good. And when I say he's good, it means that he's good all the time. And all the time, come on, God is good. He is all the time. So let me pray for you. We're going to sing. And as we sing, I want you to lift your hands. I just want you to open up your heart and receive that love. That love isn't just for the first time you got saved. That love is for right now. So how about this? Let's raise our hands right now. This is you receiving that love. This is you saying, God, I receive it. I want that love. I know you have that love for me. And so right now, you just say that out loud. God, I receive your love. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. I receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know that you're pouring your love out right now. You are redefining it in our hearts to what it's supposed to be. And that is something pure. And that is something of you. And so we respond to your love. We are so thankful for the kind of love that you sent as a person, as Jesus, as he died on the cross for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice of love. We're so thankful for that moment where he was resurrected and lives for us today because of that love. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing that chorus a few times.